Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella, your host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Recently, the research team at Forrester put out their annual prediction reports, which forecast changes and developments for a variety of markets, industries, and technologies. For this episode, we've asked a few of our tech analysts to discuss how the pandemic impacted certain technologies and what they're predicting for 2021. Let's dig in. In 2020, many businesses turned to artificial intelligence to help run their businesses more efficiently. Brandon Purcell says the increased use of artificial or in synthetic data will be one of the biggest trends in AI. So what we found in 2020 is that AI, the adoption of AI continued to grow globally. Um, that was going to happen anyway, but the, uh, the pandemic definitely impacted the way that it grew. First of all, companies that had already uh, adopted AI and were using um, machine learning models that had been trained on customer behavior experienced something called data drift, where the behavior of customers in, in many cases changed almost overnight when people stopped leading, leaving their houses because of the pandemic. And so the models that they built on the previous reality no longer worked very well. And so companies had to retrain those AI models. Additionally, companies focused on cutting costs. And so they turned to AI to identify ways to be more efficient from an operational perspective. We predict that in 2021, artificial data will both help and hinder AI. And uh, I should probably start just by explaining what artificial data is. It's data that's generated by a computer program and it has the same mathematical and statistical properties as the real world data set that it's augmenting or standing in for. Um, you can think of it like the, I can't believe it's not butter of the data world. Um, there are several different flavors of artificial data. So I think of this prediction in terms of my favorite spaghetti Western, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, on the good side, um, synthetic training data is going to help folks who have a paucity of data to enter the AI game. Now, you may be thinking, wait, aren't we generating a ton of data? I think that this year we're going to create something like 59 zettabytes of data. Um, so you may be thinking, surely we don't even need more data. Um, but as anyone who's tried to train an AI system knows, having a lot of data and having the right data are two very different things. Many companies don't have the right data specific to their use case. Think about Amazon, for example. So when, when Amazon set out to train the AI that powers the, the just walk out experience in its Amazon Go stores, it didn't have any historical data on that because the concept didn't exist. And they needed data on all of these edge cases. So people of different shapes and size, looking at different products and different lighting, wearing different clothing in different positions. To get this data, this training data, they turned to synthetic data. And what they found was that, that creating this synthetic data and annotating it uh, synthetically was not only profoundly cheaper, it was also more consistent than if they had human beings doing it. Um, so companies who don't have the data that's necessary for specific use case can use synthetic data. I'm also very hopeful about synthetic data for another reason. So I cover responsible and ethical AI at Forrester. And as anyone who, who follows that space knows, one of the biggest challenges with machine learning is something called algorithmic bias, which is when you have a training data set that for some reason or another is not representative of the diversity of the population you're going to be using the AI system on. 
With synthetic data, we could hopefully start to engineer more diverse data sets that reflect the actual diversity of the, the real world. So that's that's the good kind of positive side that I think we'll see in 2021. Unfortunately, there's also a bad side. And the bad side is, is fake data. Uh, fake data could be used in adversarial attacks. In these attacks, you'll have bad actors who are gonna purposely expose an AI system to fake data to try to trick the system. Um, one example of this would be um, folks putting stickers strate in strategic places on stop signs to try to um, trick the computer vision system of driverless vehicles. Um, but this can also happen in the digital world, of course. Pixel-related um, perturbations of an image can lead a computer vision system to misclassify an image. Researchers found that just changing a few pixels in pictures of turtles that you and I would still think are pictures of turtles led a computer vision image, uh, recognition algorithm to identify them as rifles. So teams developing and deploying AI need to work with their peers in cybersecurity uh, to try to protect against these types of adversarial attacks. You know, data science teams, they know the ins and outs of algorithms and the way that they were built, but it's the cybersecurity teams who know best practices for avoiding this type of adversarial attack. And so these teams, unfortunately, don't really work together that much now. They need to in 2021. And right now as well, the best defense is to keep a human in the loop in any system, AI system that's making critical and highly consequential high risk, high risk decisions. Um, finally, we have the ugly side of, of uh, uh, artificial data, which is deep fakes. Um, now, deep fakes, most of you probably know what deep fakes are, but in case you know, they, they are fakes that use uh, artificial intelligence, oftentimes GANs or generative adversarial networks, to replace a person in an existing image or video with another person. Um, so some of you may have seen the video that was created by uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of, of South Park, who used deep fakes to create a video um, called Sassy Justice, and it, it starred Mark Zuckerberg and other people, and it obviously wasn't actually them, but it looked like them, and um, and they created it to raise awareness and also to experiment with what they think is a new potential form of of animation. Heaven help us if that's if that's true. Um, there was a lot of fear about deepfakes in the run up to the presidential election here in the U.S., and um, so far it looks like they didn't play a major role. But they have played a major role politically in, in other countries um, in their elections. And you know, given the kind of polarized state of the world, I think that we're going to continue to see um, deep fakes used in ways to spread uh, misinformation. So I guess the recommendation here is more at a personal level, um, don't believe everything you see. Supply chain disruptions were a major challenge early in the pandemic, but blockchain technology helped smooth some of the bumps. Martha Bennett says this year, blockchain projects will be focused on those that have clear business objectives and impact. If I just wind back to the beginning of the pandemic, obviously that when it really struck differed somewhat between geographies, but what tended to be the case is that literally everything just stopped. Unless it was a production project or about to go into production, everything stopped. But what was from a blockchain perspective, very, very interesting how quickly things picked up again. 
and in particular anything to do with supply chain because of course not surprisingly what the pandemic really really illuminated in stark relief is just how broken many supply chain processes are people have no idea where their goods are they're no idea where ultimately certain components are manufactured and and that coupled with the fact that some supply chain projects have already been going and people could see how this technology, which is about multiple parties sharing data in a multi-party process, um, how that could help. So um, once things started bedding in a little bit, you know, with people changing the way they work and whatnot, there was quite an acceleration both in existing projects and also in interest in companies joining existing networks potentially starting new networks so a lot of activity and then of course as time's gone on there is now also huge interest in how this technology could help with the distribution of vaccines what we're looking at now is a combination of factors. First of all, pointless projects have fallen away. And if any were still going in 2020, the pandemic surely killed those off. So what we're looking at is projects that have either been underway for some time and are getting towards you know, deployment or projects that are being started with a very firm, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is what the benefit's going to be. Very, very focused projects. Um, the technology itself, of course, has matured a lot over the past few years, and there are a lot of offerings available from major firms like AWS, IBM, Microsoft, Oracle, you name them. Um, also, of course, major Chinese players like Alibaba, OneConnect, um, they all have blockchain as a service platforms that make it much easier to get off the ground and up and running from a technology perspective. So we've got that combination of technology technology and business maturity um, in approaching things. Um, but we also should take into consideration China as well, because many of these projects that will go live will be in China. And China is somewhat unique in that there is a lot of state support and blockchain is, has been declared as being an essential part of the new infrastructure. That will also help uplift that number. <laughs> One thing that um, I really see is just the sheer amount of innovation going on. Yes, there is a lot going on in supply chain simply because there is so much that is broken and the technology is ideally placed um, to assist. But if we broaden it out a little bit from supply chain, it's not just the visibility of the goods. It's also the ability to prove that they have been ethically sourced. Um, there is increasing interest and indeed requirement for companies to provide information information on the carbon footprint of the entire supply chain. All of that comes together. And yes, I'm still with supply chain, but as you can see, it comes out in kind of tentacles with different aspects. And then if you take that to the next step, what I'm seeing as part of that, a lot of innovation going on in um, something that's called tokenization. That's representing assets. They could be digital assets. They could be physical assets like a grain shipment or whatever goods being represented as a token or an invoice being represented as a token, which allows you to run processes much more efficiently. Because one thing um, that I always joke, you don't need a blockchain to digitize 
but you need to digitize if you really want to leverage blockchain. This is another pandemic effect where people have realized how to what degree the reliance on paper <laughs> holds up processes when the paper can't move. And also more interest in automation, which is where this so concept of so-called smart contracts comes into it, where you automate business rules. So again, pandemic-induced acceleration of doing things with as few people needing to touch things as possible. Another technology that saw increased interest during the pandemic was the Internet of Things. Michelle Polino explains that in 2021, IoT will be used to improve employee experience and help employees return to work safely. So in 20. 20- 20 with the pandemic, one of the things that was very important was how do we deal with connecting um, different processes that used to have many individuals, uh, employees monitoring plant operations, monitoring business systems, um, and in a physical sense, right? They were standing right in front of those plant operations or in the buildings. But because many people had to go home and and work from home and, and do business from home, none of us were really in the same place, you know, in those those normal activities that would have been our, our normal workday environments. So activating new types of remote monitoring and re- predictive maintenance kinds of applications using IoT solutions became very important. And then the other thing that became more important than ever before was really focusing on the supply chain and enabling supply chain processes using IoT solutions, whether it be fleet management or inventory management or um, track and trace capabilities as examples, and using IoT solutions to understand and more efficiently monitor where assets were throughout the supply chain. Because if anything was clear in 2020 as a result, result of the pandemic, it was that there were disruptions in the supply chain in getting products and assets and and uh, critical equipment and uh, medical devices from point A to point B. So using IoT solutions to do some of that monitoring of, of the supply chain was also very important. Forrester analysts have really looked at five key Internet of Things predictions for the coming year. But the one prediction that I want to talk more specifically about, and is particularly important to CIOs and executive stakeholders, is for them to focus on smart office initiatives that will transform the employee experience. And enabling this transformation, we're going to see increased deployment of specific types of IoT applications and solutions. Now, this prediction may seem surprising because currently many office workers are working from home due to the pandemic lockdowns. And in fact, Forrester's survey of corporate decision makers shows that 48% of these decision makers anticipate having a higher percentage of permanent remote workers in the coming year. However, in 2021, we expect at least 80% of firms to develop comprehensive strategies to enable their employees to return to work in on-premise offices. Now, these initiatives are going to include deploying IoT applications, which help employees feel safe and comfortable in the office, as well as to enhance the efficient use of building and office resources. Examples of applications in the safety category include IoT-enabled contact tracing and social distancing applications to enforce distancing guidelines and to monitor employee interactions in buildings. 
Now, there's also physical security applications that can be used to manage situational awareness. And we will also see increased deployment of sensor-enabled IoT environmental monitoring applications to monitor air quality, harmful particle density, and harmful gas emissions in buildings. The second category of IoT applications we're going to see significant deployment momentum is to focus on efficiently monitoring and managing critical resources, such as space, power, and energy in the office. For example, smart building management solutions automate control of mechanical devices and electrical equipment and ensure efficient use of these resources. Or we see IoT-enabled applications that can monitor specific critical building systems, including elevators and escalators. We're also going to see increased deployment of connected LED lighting solutions, which use luminaire sensors to automatically adjust lighting based on daylight levels, temperature, and room conditions. And many firms are going to deploy IoT-enabled space utilization solutions. This will help them optimize occupancy levels, monitor activity in high traffic areas, and manage congested areas. So what does this mean for CIOs and other executive stakeholders as they look to their IoT priorities in 2021? First, it means that they need to assess their existing systems and technologies in the office to determine if they can activate these smart building environments and systems, which they've already installed but may not have turned on. Examples include building monitoring systems to evaluate HVAC systems, power, and lighting systems. In addition, it's important to evaluate whether or not you need to invest in new types of IoT-enabled applications to ensure contact tracing or space optimization or environmental monitoring. These applications can help firms address new requirements to ensure the health and safety of employees and visitors in the office. In 2020, more firms look to the cloud to help them pivot to digital business models. In the year ahead, we'll see public cloud adoption growing in both new and traditional sectors. Lauren Nelson discusses. In 2020, cloud adoption increased substantially. So no surprise, a lot of organizations needed to adapt their businesses for the new reality. And a lot of organizations leaned heavily on cloud platforms to be able to do this adaptation. So whether that was embracing new virtual technology to be able to support remote work, or whether that be to build a new application to enable remote pickup, um, or to be able to provide a new mobile interface, we found organizations leaning heavily on cloud technologies to be able to adapt to this new reality. In fact, if you look at the reported revenue numbers from the major public cloud providers, you saw an increase in usage above what they had even seen in prior years. And that's going to continue into 2021, where organizations are going to continue to accelerate cloud strategies, to accelerate their adaptation on how they they pivot their businesses in this new reality. We also see as part of this acceleration, the expansion into parts of their portfolio that they previously were not focused on. Um, One key area will be resiliency or disaster recovery plans. In 2020, resiliency took on a new meaning. So for for many years, we had talked about resiliency in passing, where it was like, of course, organizations would like to be resilient. 
But in 2020, we really felt what that meant. Not only did we need to be able to adapt in order for business to continue, but we were pushed in new ways we never previously were really pushed, whether that be supply chain resiliency, whether that be the ability to provide top-of-the-line security for remote workers or for new products that we are pushing to market. Uh, organizations all of a sudden had to really take resiliency to the next level. They needed to think about where their vulnerabilities were and not only how to prepare for them today, but also explore where their vulnerabilities might be for tomorrow or for the next challenge that their organization may face. So a lot of organizations have secondary sites today. One of the cost uh, mitigations that, that companies are using is, is shifting some of their DR portfolio into the public cloud. Um, and these are parts of their portfolio that they never previously had considered for the cloud. These are, these are workloads that they consider mission critical. These are workloads that they were not looking to cloud previously for. Clearly 2021 will be a busy year for tech leaders as they look to use technology to address the opportunities and challenges that have emerged from the pandemic. To learn more about Forrester's 2021 predictions, sign up for our predictions webinar on January 21st at for.com slash 2021 webinar. That's forr.com slash 2021 webinar. Thanks for listening.